This podcast is brought to you by Future Women, a new home for women to come together online and in person. Become a member to gain full access to Future Women's content, events and community. Plus, our packed calendar of member-only social club events. For more details, head to futurewomen.com. Hello, I'm Brooke Boney, your host for Season 2 of Next Generation Innovators, a podcast where we tap into the stories behind some of Australia's most successful entrepreneurs and how they've scaled their ideas into global businesses. So whether you're in business, you own one, or you dream of doing it yourself, these conversations will guide you through the ups and downs of startups, from ideation and development to investment and scale. Some of these women are incredibly inspiring and I cannot wait to share these conversations with you. At only 26 years of age, this woman is set to revolutionise the way life-saving treatments are tested. And there was one guy um, and he was from like a big pharma company and like a VP and he absolutely was like, no, this is like terrible, this won't work. Then you're like seriously underestimating the industry, like it's way more complicated and actually I'm going to go try and prove this guy wrong because there's like, you know, all these numbers out there saying that pharma can't recruit patients and they're struggling and patients aren't finding trials. Manuri Gunawadina has made the Forbes 30 under 30 list. She won the TechCrunch startup Battlefield and she's got backers from WhatsApp and Google. We've like just got a a really diverse um, group of angel investors who are really excited about the problem we're solving. So they've been super helpful. So um, yeah, it's really important to pick the right investors. She wants HealthMatch to be the go-to platform to link the sickest patients with potentially life-saving trials. And she's already raised millions of dollars from some of the biggest industry heavyweights in Australia and in the US. Future Women's Next Generation Innovators podcast is brought to you by Uber. Uber ignites opportunity by setting the world in motion. Uber believe good things happen when people can move, whether across town or toward their dreams. Opportunities appear, open up, become reality. What started as a way to tap a button to get a ride has led to billions of moments of human connection as people go all kinds of places in all kinds of ways with the help of Uber's technology. Manuri, thank you so much for joining us on Future Women Next Generation Innovators. So let's um, go back to the beginning. What were you like as a kid and what sort of childhood did you have? Um, I think as a kid I was definitely a major tomboy and also like was really um, was really into science, like a little bit nerdy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I, I just loved like, um, like, I don't know, trying to investigate things and figure things out. And so like, yeah, I guess type of childhood was always like, you know, my mom was a science teacher. And so it was always like curiosity about things and mm-hmm. just, yeah. And so um, you get into med school. Yeah. And when did you finish? Um, so I actually didn't finish med school. Um, so you haven't graduated? No, I haven't. Um, I got five years in um, and then deferred my final year. Um, so, yeah, haven't officially finished med school yet. Ah, who needs to finish yeah. when you're already doing so much? You know, I, I had a similar experience when I was at uni. 
um, yeah. obviously nowhere near the scale of, of your achievements. But um, I was working as a political correspondent for um, SBS before I'd graduated. Yeah. And so um, my tutor would call the bureau in Parliament House and say, like, you need to get this assignment in. You yeah. Know, you need to send it. And I was like, but I'm actually doing the work. Like, I can't yeah. send in the assignment because I have to do a story yeah. for the bulletin for tonight. Yeah. Um, so I think that's funny. And, yeah, because you're, like, practically involved in it. And it's, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. So tell us then a little bit about um, Health Match and how you came up with the idea. Um, so Health Match kind of came to life through med school. Um, so, you know, in my quest to, like, you know, go down that path of, like, becoming a surgeon, um, I started doing research in my last year and that was um, we were working in a brain cancer lab um, and one of the research projects was around a clinical trial which was um, with Duke University in the US and it was bringing a vaccine study to Australia and um, that's when I first encountered the, the problem which was unless you knew the um, right clinician or the right specialist as a patient um, your chances of finding a trial were really limited. So, for example, we only found two patients in all of Australia for that study, even though brain cancer doesn't have, um, like, a, a, a cure or a treatment. And so, um, yeah, I guess the problem came to life. Um, I started investigating it. There wasn't anything out there for patients to easily find clinical trials. Um, and the deeper I got into the problem, I was like, look, that we've got to build something and um, actually build something for patients. And... Um, started working on that and um, yeah we saw a lot of interest from both patients and the industry and then Health Match came to life and um, I deferred med school and focused on that full time. And so what was the reaction like from people around you when you sort of stumbled across this idea and yeah. then started you know thinking about it a bit more critically yeah. and pitching it to people were they yeah. like oh that's not going to work or I mean why would you do that you're yeah. studying you know. Yeah. I think some of the early uh, reactions were interesting, more so from, like, because no one really knew that I was going to go defer and, like, take, it, you know, people <laughs> thought this was, like, a side project or something, right? Mm. And then um, I think the early uh, reactions from some parts of industry were interesting because it's like, hey, this, like, young med student trying to tackle a problem that we've been trying to solve for ages, like, you don't know enough, like, you're super naive about this space. and Yeah, don't and, you think we would have thought of that already? Yeah, that exactly, exactly. And... um I read some like really at that time I was kind of um, just discovering like the startup world and sort of like you know, uh, all the really interesting companies people have built and like different stories and so I read um, Zero to One by Peter Thiel and then I also read a book called The Originals by Adam Grant. It was talking about you know needing a certain level of naivety in the space that you're in to go tackle a problem because otherwise you just get bogged down. Um, knowing that there are too many blockers. And so I think I had a huge amount of that. Um, <laughs> and looking back, like, I was like, wow, like if I, you know, had known how many challenges would have come our way, um, I don't know, like, whether I would have taken the leap. But, um, yeah, it was an interesting start. And then I just sort of surrounded myself with other, like, entrepreneurs or people who've, you know, solved problems before. And, um, and yeah, we s decided to, like, you know, 
actually build out the product. And so those times when people were sort of thinking of you as being naive or, or doubting what your expertise was or the idea, um, what sort of things were you saying to yourself um, to push through? Because that could be quite hard. Yeah. You know, sometimes the way that someone thinks of you sort of shapes how you think of yourself then. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's hard because I think you you definitely start questioning, you know, like, um, do I not know enough about this industry? Do I not know enough about this space? And so um, for me it was – it kind of motivated me a little bit more to go digging further. So, like, let's talk to more people. Let's try and find um, other experts in the space. Like, for example, I remember um, – and one of our early inv- angel investors always um, brings up this story. Before he made the investment, he um, put together, a, like, a boardroom of, like, people who'd invested in biotech and pharma and understood this space. It was like, pitch it, you know, let's see what their reactions are because these are experts, right? Um, And most were like, oh, yeah, like, this is interesting, actually, like, the patient angle, like, no one's built anything for patients, like, this could be an interesting approach. And there was one guy, um, and he was from, like, a big pharma company and, like, a VP, and he absolutely was like, no, this is, like, terrible, this won't work, then you're like seriously underestimating the industry like it's way more complicated and um and I don't know maybe I was just being a bit like I don't know whether that drew my ambition even more and I was like actually I'm gonna go try and prove this guy wrong because there's like (laughs) you know all these numbers out there saying that pharma can't recruit patients and they're struggling and patients aren't finding trials so like there's obviously something missing there's something missing yeah yeah so Tell me about meeting your co-founder, Aaron Schlossberg. Yeah. So um, I met Aaron, actually reached out to him directly through LinkedIn. I was looking for um, some technical expertise at the time. Um, And so I actually just looked up uh, doctor and engineer. And there was like one person that came up and that was Aaron. And he was um, at the time, like he was a doctor who turned into a software engineer, was working at Google and I approached him about this problem and was like, can we build a search platform? And he was like, actually, you know, in the last few years, like technology's changed and developed in a way that we can find a way to do this. And um, yeah, and that's how um, we started working on on the project together. Wow. And so you work really well together, obviously. It was sort of a, a good fit straight away. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a good fit. But um, I guess around from like his perspective um, was really into this stuff that was happening at Google Health and Google DeepMind. And so he had a job offer from Google DeepMind um, about a month into us working on this. And he was like, hey, um, I've got a job offer. I need to leave in six months. And I was like, okay, well, let's just keep working on this and we'll, um, you know, see how things go. And then he deferred that for a bit longer and um, then ended up going to London for Google DeepMind before mm-hmm. he raised our initial round. So he's no longer sort of in health match. Um, he's there to advise occasionally and sort of touch base. But um, yeah. Wow. And so but how did you then juggle all of this while you were studying? Um, so, yeah, initially it was, you know, I was doing the research year. It was less of a workload than a typical year in med school, so I had more time. Um and then that's when we were initially building out the, the prototype of the product, testing it with customers and, and users. And 
when things started to heat up after TechCrunch and we were out there raising our seed round, that's when I made the decision to defer med school because it was just, I couldn't commit to this full, like properly if I wasn't working mm-hmm. on it full time. Yeah. And so when it came to um, to getting seed funding, yeah, um, you you knew that you had to like meet certain targets to to grow the business in the mm-hmm. way that you wanted to. How did you um, come up with with those strategies? Did you have people um, like advising you and, and mentors um, to help you along the way? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of the uh, initial investors have been really really, really good mentors, like, um, you know, whether it's in business or understanding, like, the market and the industry, like, some of our early investors are from um, the pharma landscape, and so they understand it. So, yeah, just tapping into as many of those uh, mentors as possible is how we navigated, you know, planning um, and getting the strategy right. Oh, wow. And so what was the um, what was the process like when you um, – so because, you know, up until then it had been like an idea yeah. and then you took it to TechCrunch, pitched it there. But, you know, now it's sort of it's, – it's, you know, the real deal. It's business time, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and so what was that like, taking it from, you know, an idea that's sort of something that you think you can um, build, and, build yeah. and make a life out of and that's important yeah. to, to, you know – being real and being yeah. your job and, you know, you deferring uni to yeah. do it. Um, yeah, it's pretty surreal actually. Like, and it's, um, yeah, it's, you know, by the time we, so we had this concept, right, and by the time we, like, once we took on the seed funding, um, you know, went out there and hired engineers and hired a team and we were like, let's actually build the real deal and launch it and see how we go and that whole process, like, there was a lot of question marks around, you know, how's this going to go, how's this going to play out as a real company and a real business. And, um, you know, that first patient when we launched who used HealthMatch without us, like, knowing who they were, like, um, going through the whole system, finding a clinical trial, applying, that was, like, yeah, like a very um, surreal moment. And then um, from that point onwards, it's just been hey, these are real people using a product that we built and now, you know, we've got to um, actually, like, function like a real business and, you know, implement processes and grow a team and, and all that. So, yeah, it, it's been, like, um, it's definitely been, like, a really surreal experience. Did, did you think about um, finishing and then going to do it or did you feel like you really needed to do it sooner rather than later because yeah. someone else could do it, I yeah. guess? Yeah, I think... Um, yeah, I, I always get that question because it's like, hey, you could just like put it on hold and then um, and then finish and come back to it. But the, the difficulty is like the timing of all these things. And um, over in the US, for example, this market is heating up heaps. Um, yeah, that was a concern like, you know, will someone else come and try and solve this problem? Mm. Um, but also like this space is just moving so quickly. Like healthcare is like going through a rapid change right now, even in the last like 18 months, like all the pharma companies are starting to actually like look to startups and look to like tech companies to solve a lot of their problems. So like timing was perfect and, you know, med school will always be there. So were there days when you felt um, overwhelmed by what was happening around you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's like the biggest roller coaster, right? Like it's just uh, – I remember like right before launch, it was probably one of the most stressful times just because, you know, we were trying to get the product out, um, 
get customers, get traction, and we're also looking at like our burn sort of, um, you know, burning through all the capital that we've raised and going, okay, well, we've got like a ticking clock right now to get things done. Otherwise, you know, where are we going to end up in like three or four months' time? So, um, yeah, it can be overwhelming. And then you also like, you know, are learning to grow a team and lead people and um, sort of manage people as well. And then, yeah, they're all new skills. And so it's a, um incredibly steep learning curve. So, yeah. It definitely can be overwhelming. So those moments when you realise that you've got, you know, a, only a certain amount of money in the bank and a time frame for getting the, you know, the product launched. Yeah. They're like sleepless nights, aren't they? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like, and it's crazy. Like, it's just like you have these incredibly short time frames and... Uh, somewhat unrealistic but you have to make them work um, just because of the external pressures around you know um, reaching certain milestones and and reaching them within a certain certain time frame so yeah sleepless nights and um, it's funny only recently I was speaking um, like I was at a conference and it was a health tech conference and everyone was speaking about selling to pharma companies and how long the sales cycles are and how you know it takes you know six six to eight months to warm up a customer and get them engaged and trying to like sign a contract with you as as a startup um and right after we launched uh we wanted to try and get our first customer um just because we were heading into another capital raise and we needed to show that there was commercial traction but we had about three months to do that can i just ask you when you say customer which side do you mean on so i not mean the patient, not the patient the, um, the, the study the study so um think like big pharma company or biotech um so these are the guys that sponsor the trials and so for us like um they'd pay us to help them recruit mm-hmm. and so to validate the model you know we're building a marketplace it's free for patients to use this platform and then we're going to charge the pharma companies to recruit patients um, and so we had to try and close the pharma company um, in three to four months and I remember being so frustrated that these like we were meeting all these people it was like such a long process and we, like I remember like we closed the deal in four months with with um, one of like the biggest pharma companies um, globally and I remember at the time we were like, oh, like that took so long, like that, you know, um, was such a drawn out process. But then only like the other week, having spoken to like other health techs in this space and seeing the cycle, it's just, it's just crazy because you don't have expectations and you don't know what they should be. So like you're just going along this journey, like trying to move at a thousand miles an hour and like, you know, uh, getting overwhelmed, the things aren't happening. But yeah, it's like, it's funny when you, when you go through these experiences, you you start to benchmark things and realize, like, hey, you know, like actually, I'm slaying. I'm yeah, doing yeah, it's, so it's well. It's going well. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not bad. So, what do you, what do people say when you tell them, you know, that you closed your first client in three or four months? Um, I mean, like when we said this recently, people were like, whoa, like that's that's crazy, like that's really good. Um, but yeah, we've got like, I mean, that was. Um, Luckily, that pharma company is like super innovative, and I guess we're offering them something that they need. So that was um, rewarding. But we've now got like, you know, however many others to close, and like a huge road ahead of us. But yeah, it's a good start. Yeah, 
I'd say that you're off to a pretty decent start. A good start, yeah. <laughs> um, so were you just sort of running on empty during that time because you're trying to get the product up, you're going for your next round of funding and you're pitching to companies? Yeah, yeah. That's this year, right, and it feels like – so because we launched at the end of January um, and we closed our first customer in, like, May and then we just announced our Series A, like, a month or like three weeks ago so it's been an inc- like if it's been 11 months but it actually feels like it's been a couple of years this year like it's just been such a massive year but um I think you get used to it you end up like um sort of um the roller coaster becomes less like um steep you know like the highs aren't as crazy high and the lows aren't as like you you figure out how to balance yourself out a bit more I think, I think as well the every time something happens for the first time it feels like a huge deal yes yeah. the good things and the bad things yeah, absolutely yeah. and you're like whoa this is how can I possibly bear living like this for the rest of my life this yeah. is crazy yeah. how do you people do this yeah and then then you it get, happens again you just don't care as much yes yeah absolutely and I think that's the that's the most draining part right like when you're doing these things for the first time like you get so excited when something good happens mm. and then you also like you know it stresses you out so much when there's like you know a disaster and you're trying to solve it and you're not sure how it's going to play out but you just learn and then the next time like you said mm. it's just it's a lot more of a um a chilled out approach to things have you been keeping a diary please tell me you have i haven't you should try to remember everything because yeah. there's so many things that would have happened to you this year. Yeah, that's a good idea. It's probably something and that you'll I should think look of into. The, totally. In a yeah. few years' time, you'll be like, "Oh my goodness, I remember being so excited about that meeting or yeah. about that round of funding." You know, when you're a multi-billionaire and you know, yeah. the- <laughs> <laughs> we're looking in back like- at this, thinking, "Oh, how quaint." No, in <laughs> no. like, yeah, if, if I make it through, if I make it through all these, uh these landmines, let's see. Better. Yeah, uh, I just know that you will. So you go on to raise $1.3 million in capital from Australian and US industry leaders last year. How did you approach finding these investors and also knowing which ones are right for you because you yeah. don't want to take on investors that don't have the same values, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's so important to find the right investors, especially um, the earlier you are as a company mm. because they, you know, their advice, their input can actually have like more of an impact early on. So um, we're really lucky. Like the the investors that um, came on that round were like a really diverse group of people. So, um, you know, like you have Catherine and Anton from Silicon Valley and, you know, Anton has great product experience, um, you know, helps – Giving, in giving us feedback around how we're designing our product and what we should be thinking about. Mm-hmm. Um, Catherine's got great connections into the US. Um, we have, like, a farmer exec, um, and he used to be the um, managing director of um, one of the big pharma companies here in Australia, and so he's in Germany, Germany now but has, like, an immense network. And so that's been super helpful for us understanding, like, having someone on our team who, like, understands the industry inside out. Um, and, yeah, we've, like, just got a, a really diverse um, group of angel investors who are really excited about the problem we're solving, so they've been super helpful. So um, 
yeah, it's really important to pick the right investors. And so you've got a pretty good relationship with them. Yeah. Which yeah. is, I guess, pretty pretty fortunate, you know, that yeah. so not everyone has that experience, yeah. do they? No. I mean, there are horror stories and there are also, you know, points of tension and sometimes those relationships can, you know, take a different turn. Um, I think it's just really important to, like, take everyone on the journey with you and, you know, whether it's good, like, you know, good things or bad things, like if you if everyone knows and is well-informed and, um, you know, yeah, and sometimes you just get lucky or unlucky um, depending on who your investors are. No, I, I mean, it sounds like you've you've sort of learned from other people's mistakes from the le- the reading and learning that you did while you were setting everything up, like you made very good choices. I mean, it was... Like I definitely have made mistakes though, but um, yeah, it was like trying to trying to tap into those people who've like done it before and be like, you know, what to watch out for, what are the mm-hmm. what are the um, you know red flags and stuff when it comes to these things because I think yeah, it has the ability to sort of make or break a company if you don't have the right support around you and mm. the right investors. When you say that you definitely have made mistakes, yeah. Um, what sort of mistakes have you made and what did you learn from them? Um, I mean, I think I've, I've made hiring mistakes, for example. Um, mm-hmm. no whether, and, you know, it was either not knowing the timing of a hire, when to make it, or exactly what I was looking for. Um, and those mistakes can be like, have a pretty big impact um, and so, you know, I've learned from them and also learned how to deal with them and deal with them quickly, like when you do make them. Um, yeah, I mean, there's probably too many to even <laughs> go over. <but. laughs> Has it been a challenge managing people um, but having no sort of experience having done that before? Yeah, I mean, it is challenging. I kind of have to constantly um, be trying to talk to other founders who've built out teams and, you know, especially when, you know, when things are going well, like, that's great. But when you hit road bumps or um, people issues that you need to deal with, um, like, I haven't dealt with these before and you, your gut instinct tells you one thing but you also need to, like, try and try and um, get some data points from other people who've, you know, who might see things differently. Um, and so, yeah, I think managing people and growing a team is probably one of the biggest challenges of not having, you know, um, had that experience before. And so some of the big challenges have been managing a team and, and sort of sharing your vision. But this year, Sydney-based venture capital fund Tempest Partners led a funding round for Health Match and they raised $6 million in Series A funding. The round included backing from US-based investors WhatsApp, head of product, Anton, as you mentioned, and Google's Director of Intellectual Property and Litigation, Catherine Lacavera. Yeah. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Yeah, so um, that was awesome. So that we had um, Tempest and SquarePeg mm-hmm. um, both invested and then we had our um, current investors all follow on and um, it was incredible validation for us but also... Um, you know, really, ex- like, it's really exciting to have that fuel power and that support behind us now to, like, take Health Match to another level and, you know, grow the team and um, be able to keep doing what we're doing. Do you think that, um, like, venture capitalists um, take you as seriously uh, being a young woman? Um, I think so. I mean, 
I, I think there's no reason to not be taken seriously. I think um, it's really how, you know, like for me it's like if you're solving a problem and you can show that um, you're a leader in the space, like um, you've got good traction, like there's no reason to not be taken seriously. Um, you know, you always do question yourself though because it's the same as like going into pharma companies and pitching to them as like a young female. Um, but I think if you know like your subject matter and you can articulate that in a good way like um yeah it's it's not too too bad yeah if you know your shit then you're fine yeah yeah. basically (laughs) so um how was this round different from the one before um I mean it was different because it was a much larger chunk of funding Mm. um and it was our series a so um (laughs) we had to um you know, hits and milestones. Um, so it was more like showing, okay, last last round it was pre-product, pre-launch. It was all about the concept and the market and what we're trying to solve. And this round it was like, okay, now we've launched the product. Is it working? Do we have traction? What are the commercials like? You know, what's the growth been like? It's actual uh, metrics and, and milestones that you need to show. And, um, and yeah, so it was a bit more challenging. And... Um, we had to we had to like pick the right investors for this round as well so that that was another element of you know difference um and so you've obviously spent a lot of time um in the valley as you call it yeah yeah um what was it like heading over there for the first time was it just super exciting and yeah and as uh, cool as it seems. Yeah, I mean, the first time it was, it definitely was. And I was like, whoa, like, look at all these companies. And um, I think I remember the first time going out to um, Palo Alto and um, and sort of seeing, like, the vibe and the buzz and, like, you know, every time, even, every time I go to the valley, like, still, you come back with, like, a, this sense of energy and you're like, whoa, we're moving too slow. Like we should be moving Pick faster. Pick up the pace, guys. Pick up the pace, yeah. right? Um, and that's really cool. I think, um, you know, you go there enough though, like, and for me I'm like n- not the biggest fan in terms of San Francisco, like um, like as a city I prefer like the East Coast. But, um, but yeah, it's it's still um, exhilarating. You come back and you feel more motivated to, to, do, to do more. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, just around people who were um, excited about ideas and innovation and moving things forward. Yeah. I guess. In, yeah. a, in a place that's really concentrated, right? Like it's well, not that's, like anywhere else. That's the awesomeness about it is that you can be there and meet people um, really specific to your space. Like health tech is like a really specific industry. And it's not like in APAC, it's not that big. Whereas, like, you go to the US and, like, when we when we went there last time which was in June um we were pitching um for our series a and I walked into this cafe and um was meeting with an investor and right in front of me at a different table the different meeting was one of our like competitors and they walked in like the first day I landed in San Francisco and I was like wow out of all the places like you bumped into like you know there aren't too many competitors that are going direct to patients and these guys were one of them and I was like this is unreal but um yeah it's cool you get 
a lot of networks over there. I bet. And so did you figure out who they were meeting and meet with them next? I think they were also cap raising. So I was like, yeah, this is interesting. Hey, <laughs> so I'll just sit down in this spot once you move out yeah, of the way. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let them go to the bathroom. Otherwise, you'll just sit yeah. down in the meeting and yeah. be like everything they're saying. I was saying. trying to listen. I was like, oh, what are their metrics? <laughs> yeah. like, what are they doing? Oh, dear. Now, many founders and top execs read a book a week. Have you been reading or listening to podcasts through the journey of becoming a founder? What what sort yeah. of resources have you used to, yeah. to help you? I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of books and podcasts and I always, I do Audible so like I can listen to a book while doing other things. Um, so yeah, like Reid Hoffman's podcast, for example, or um, the most recent book that I went through that was super helpful was um, Elard Gill, um, The High Growth Handbook. Um, you know, there's... Uh, Ben Horowitz, The Hard Thing About Hard Things, all these books are super helpful because you read chapters and they are so applicable to what's happening like in your company at the time and it's just like great, like I'm going to take these little nuggets and go try and solve problems with, you know, advice from people who who are really good at what they do. Are you someone who gets super philosophical about things? Like if you hear something in a book, like The Hard yeah. Thing About Hard Things or a poem or something that you like, do you then draw on that when you're going through something difficult? I think, like, I definitely, if there are, if I'm going through something and then I'm reading a book at the same time and something clicks, I, I definitely do draw on it. Um, and, yeah, I'll, I'll, like, think about, you know, certain parts of a book that I've I've read and try and apply it but yeah you've had a, an incredible couple of years I feel like that's an understatement what does it feel like to be nominated for you know an accolade like Forbes 30 under 30 what does that does that mean something to you or, or is that something like yeah no it was it was cool like the the summit like was meeting other under 30s um around Asia doing really cool things and so that was just a nice like side thing to you know network into other entrepreneurs. So what is your vision for the future with Health Match? Um I think you know ultimately we want it to be a global company um and be across different geographies so like as many people can access clinical trials um so that would be the ultimate vision is that if we can improve um, access to clinical trials, ultimately we can improve treatments getting to market sooner. So that means like hopefully more people will have access to treatments and, and cures can be found sooner. Yeah. Yeah. You are so young. What are you hoping to achieve in the next, I don't know, five, 10, 20 years? Yeah. What do you want your life to be? I don't know. Um, 5, 10, 20, that's it. Um, I mean, I, I'd i love to just see how big we could get Health Match um, and be solving this problem. And um, the more we can work across, like, the different uh, problems that exist in, in this space and solve them, um, the better that would be. In terms of, like, I don't know, personal, like, you know, 10, 20 years, I don't know. I guess like I used to be so like I know exactly what I want to do and exactly what the path is, which was like, yeah, I'll be you know, finish med school, get into the training program, become a surgeon and, you know, go operate and do these things. And now I'm just like, yeah, I just want to build health match to as, as big as we can get it. And I really don't know what's going to happen after. But um, I think there's a lot of um, interesting problems to solve in healthcare. So. Mm-hmm. 
And so is it a thing where you'll build it up and then you want to sell it off or, or you're happy to continue to be at the helm of it? And... Um, I'd love to be at the helm of it for as long as possible. Um, you know, it's it's hard though because in healthcare there's a lot of um, acquisitions that happen, you know, like when you get to a certain size or a certain scale, like if you can partner with a larger company, it might help you scale better. So I'm definitely not um, closed off to those options, but I'd love to be at the helm of it for as long as I can. How exciting. Yeah. I bet your parents are so proud of you. They're excited. It's nice to have them super excited about Health Match and, you know, not as worried about the med school stuff anymore. So, <laughs> What advice, just finally, would you give to other young people um, thinking of starting something, of yeah. following an idea? Yeah. I think just, uh, you know, like tenacity and like sort of, just pushing through is a huge part of it. Like if you have the hunger for something, like if you see a problem and you want to solve it and you start um, diving into it, just push through. Um, obviously, no, like, you know, if it's a if it's a terrible idea and, like, you know, you're not stop getting – Stop pushing through. Like don't, don't waste your time. That's not what I'm saying. But, like, you know, a lot of people kind of get to a certain point and then – and give up or don't, like, see things through. I think that's the biggest thing. Like um, – if you really believe in what you're doing and you've identified something and you want to get started on it, it's like it's one of the most rewarding things to do is to like is to build something and solve a problem. So, um, yeah, I think pushing through is like and having the hunger for it is like um, the best advice that I could give. Do you yeah. know I'm so excited for you and I'm so excited to see where you end up in 10 years' time. Like Thank I you. hope that we get to sit down for a chat in 10 years. Yeah, me too. Um We'll see where it goes. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. No, thanks for your time. That was the incredibly inspirational Manuri Gunawadina. She is, of course, the founder of Health Match. We are taking a short break from Next Generation Innovators for just a few weeks, but please have a look through our back catalogue. Leave us a comment and share us with your friends. And we'll see you in a few weeks with Season 3 of Future Women Next Generation Innovators. Thanks, guys. Future Women's Next Generation Innovators podcast is brought to you by Uber. Uber ignites opportunity by setting the world in motion. What started as a way to tap a button to get a ride has led to billions of moments of human connection as people go all kinds of places in all kinds of ways with the help of Uber's technology.